lives are lost to the abuse of and addiction to drugs, the figure is surely in the tens of thousands per year. 45-year-old Simon, a high-level chemist at a Dallas-based manufacturer, was referred to me by a drug court judge when he was charged with his second DWI and facing a 10-year prison sentence. His life was in shambles. Alcoholism had put Simon's career in jeopardy and played a major part in the dissolution of his 25-year marriage three years earlier. Since that time, Simon's drinking had progressed significantly. Of his three children, only his son was still speaking to him. Both of his daughters had banned him from their homes after he repeatedly showed up intoxicated and frightened their children. And alcoholism was beginning to take a toll on his health. His blood pressure and cholesterol levels were dangerously high, two classic signs of heart disease. And the whites of his eyes had taken on a yellowish tinge, indicating malfunction of the liver. All of these problems, his doctor told him, were directly related to his alcohol use, and yet he had never sought or received any treatment for his alcoholism. Simon's story is not unusual. A full 75% of alcoholics are not in treatment for an illness that causes nearly as many deaths as heart disease or cancer. Why isn't our current treatment system working? At the inception, our ability to prevent and treat addiction is drastically hampered by two myths. Myth number one, addiction is a kind of personality disease. People with addictions are often branded losers, sinners who refuse to face up to their evil ways, or weaklings who can't suck it up long enough to throw off their bad habits. The media does much to contribute to this belief. We've all seen the endless parade of stories about Lindsay Lohan, Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, and countless other celebrities who bounce in and out of treatment programs. But after spending $80,000 to $100,000 a month for treatment, they all seem to race right out to a bar or to meet their dealers, diving headfirst back into old destructive behaviors. Since they appear to be getting the best possible, or at least the most expensive, treatment available, The perception is that it must be their own fault that they can't stay sober. They must not be trying hard enough. Myth number two, talking therapy is the only significant treatment. Talking therapy is a series of discussions through which the addicted person learns the coping skills needed to deal effectively with stress and other issues related to the addiction. Most health professionals, physicians, psychiatrists, psychologists, and addiction counselors alike believe that the best possible treatment for alcohol or drug addiction is some sort of talking therapy, such as group therapy, plus individual counseling coupled with participation in an ongoing 12-step program. Unfortunately, this approach works for only a meager 30% of patients, a fact that has convinced most healthcare providers that addiction is not treatable. For decades, these two fallacies have put a stranglehold on the development of effective new therapies for addiction. They've robbed addicted people and their families of hope and have cost our country millions of lives and hundreds of billions of dollars. Jason, a 55-year-old welder, tried to get help for his alcoholism after he went through his third divorce. At the time, he was putting away about a quart of vodka a day and knew it was seriously affecting his work and his personal life. So one day at lunchtime, Jason showed up at an AA meeting around the corner from where he was working. But within ten minutes, he had categorized those at the meeting as a bunch of hopeless loser alcoholics who were nothing like him. Jason assured himself that he could give up alcohol on his own. He didn't need any help. 
but after just one alcohol-free evening, Jason awoke to trembling hands and legs and a strong urge to drink. He decided that it would be okay to have just one small drink to steady his nerves. Naturally, this was only the beginning, and his quarter-day habit was quickly reinstated. About six months later, after being charged with his first DWI, Jason checked himself into rehab for a week-long inpatient detoxification. When he left rehab, he was supposed to attend classes on alcohol education and go to AA meetings regularly. But just six days after he went home, Jason started drinking again. What's wrong with our current ways of treating addiction? Why do they fail so often and so miserably? Obviously, we need to take an entirely new approach. We need a paradigm shift, a new approach that will do for the treatment of addiction what insulin did for diabetes, what Prozac did for depression, and what Viagra did for erectile dysfunction.